0: Yeah, uh, I'm Heath Martin, and uh, I- I'm a voice actor by trade. I-, I just wanted to stop by and say that uh, I-, I know you hear me. It- it's the podcast that you're listening to, right? With Flynn Hendricks, my dude, my guy, my-, my-, my number one ace bone cone. Like, I, I love this dude, man. Keep listening are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms. Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code Flynn that's F-L-Y-N-N she's even going to get you 10% off your order. Now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and I know you hear me. Welcome back everybody to another awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me Flynn Hendricks and I hope this podcast is finding you in a great place in your journey and I hope it's going to give you a little escape from the real world and just have some enjoyment for the next hour or so but before I go any further on this episode I gotta ask is this your first time tuning in or have you been listening for a while and you may just not have hit that subscribe button yet Because if that's the case, I've got to encourage you to go hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcasting platform. We are everywhere, and that helps out more than you know. So subscribe, leave that five-star review, and if this is your first episode, by all means, dive headfirst into the plethora of guests and interviews I've got for you over the last year and a half. There's something for everybody, for voice actors. Actors on Screen, Professional Wrestlers, Best Selling Authors, Entrepreneurs, Teachers, you name it, I've got the interview for you to go check out. So do a deep dive in there and find something that you enjoy, and then do that word of mouth because the help's more than you know, and everybody loves the help at Free 99. I mean, you can't beat that. And of course, too, if you want to help support this podcast financially, I do have merchandise available and I've got links in the show notes, so if you want to get a shirt to support, Or if you want to just help out the Nashville Humane Society or even the Peter Mayhew Foundation, a portion of every sale is going to go to help benefit those as well, and you can make your pick for where it goes. So check the show notes. We'll get that to you. I'll ship it directly, or you can check out my Pro Wrestling Tees store. And then after that, once you get the merch, if you want to take a picture and tag me on social media, I'll give you a shout out there, and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So that sounds like a win-win to me. And of course, too, if you're somebody that wants to advertise your product, this audience is still growing, and it's got a worldwide audience now, which still blows my mind to say. So if you want to advertise on the show, I'd love to have you on board. Just check the show notes, check for my email, and check for the information on how you do that. This one is going to be a fun one for me, because this is taking me right back to the heart of my fandom, to the heart of my childhood, and it's almost like a... A multiverse on the I Know You Hear Me podcast because I've had one um, English voice actor for the voice of Kid Goku and Gohan on Dragon Ball and now I'm bringing you the OG here today and I want to make sure I give my guest today justice because her resume is quite extensive. And, truth be told, if I were to list her entire resume, that would take up the entire interview and then some. So I'm going to hit the big points here, so bear with me, and I'm going to make sure I give her the introduction she deserves. She was the OG English voice actor for Goku in the Dragon Ball franchise. She's also been involved in the Gundam, Inuyasha, Death Note, Barbie Fairytopia, My Little Pony, Hamtaro, Nana, World Trigger, EverQuest, and so many more. Like I said, if I was going to list everything, we'd be here all day, but I'm just ready to chat with her right now. It is my pleasure to have on the podcast here, Saffron Henderson. Saffron, how are you?
1: I'm just great, thank you. How are you, Flynn?
0: I am fantastic, trying to uh, adjust back to Central Standard Time still, so it's uh, it's been a week.
1: <laughs> that's good, that's yes, good. Yes, ma'am,
0: and I, I appreciate you being on here today, too, and making the time to do so. It means more than I could say.
1: That's my pleasure.
0: Oh man, so this, like I said, this is one I'm excited to chat about because my inner child is just going insane right now because, like I said, you were the first voice uh, that I heard when I found out what Dragon Ball was. Had no clue, just had friends telling me about it, turn it on, and then lo and behold, yours is the first voice I hear, and now here we are chatting. That just, that blows my mind. So I'm excited to get into your story and find out more about you and what led you into this awesome acting journey that you've partaken on. So let's take it back to the beginning. Where, where did this love of acting and voice acting start for you?
1: Well, my daddy is a musician. Okay. And he made records, and I got to sing in the studio. Oh, cool. And, yeah, yeah, and I got to, you know, have all the singing and dancing and acting lessons as a child that my own parents couldn't afford um so that was a huge blessing they really cultivated our interests and really supported us so you know I was doing film and tv when I was uh I guess a teenager wow and I remember singing in a studio one day and the guy in the next studio came over and said hey could you take a look at this script I have a voice acting job and I was like okay (laughs) and I went over there and Uh, The next thing you know, I was recording a 7-Eleven spot with uh, um, Jason Priestley, who went on to be on 90210, Mm -hmm. um, Beverly Hills 90210, and another actor friend in Vancouver, and um, that was my first voiceover, and I just loved it, because it brought together all the acting that I'd been working on in an environment where no one could see me, and no one could typecast me based on right, my opinion, right. which is what happens with film and TV. Mm-hmm. So it was really exciting to me, and I was so comfortable. I always liken the studio to the womb, because that's how it feels for me.
0: Very. Yeah. And I've never heard it described that way, but I mean, that's... Oh, I love it. That's a pretty uh, pretty accurate way now that I hear it. I mean, I, I, I can't find the right words to articulate it, but it makes perfect sense in my mind, because again, too, like you said, you can't be typecast, and you're just... You can fit into any mold as long as you can bring that character to life behind a microphone. It's so fascinating.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I really literally was in the womb when my dad was recording, so <laughs> that's another reason it feels that way. But it is such a safe space. Absolutely.
0: For me. Yeah, Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. And what was it like, you know, when you get that first, you know, you get that first seven eleven spot and you're with somebody that goes on to have that big amount of fame, like, was there any nervousness involved, or were you just kind of like, well, they asked me to do it, I'm here, and that's, you know, I'm just doing my job?
1: Well, he was just another goof around Vancouver at that (laughs) time.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: We didn't see the future, but it was kind of funny to remember that that was my first commercial VO. Um, You know, Goku was my first ADR dubbing.
0: Oh, wow, okay. Okay
1: and then later gohan was also of we course. also did the original uh, dbz so that um, was a really great learning curve for me because adr is so different than absolutely pre-life. like i had done cartoons before but i hadn't i hadn't done that beep 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 Yep. Now match the lip flaps, which was is actually is a creative challenge. Oh, and it's very an awesome exercise. Yeah. Very
0: much so, and that's uh, that actually led to a couple questions I wanted to ask about that, especially given like where the ADR uh, dubbing process is now. What was it like uh, back then compared to what's going on now in studio? Like, how different were those two worlds? Hmm.
1: Well, I mean. We, for that, for Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, I was doing some eight-hour sessions, and they Ooh, were really man. hard on my voice. I, I yeah, bet. They were really hard on my voice because it's all this, you know, leave my dad alone, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, uh th- th- those were rough times, but also really creative times, and um the producers tended to be in the room a little bit more than I find they are now. Right. Um, which was cool because the producer that I worked with in the room was Barry Watson funimation. Oh,
0: wow. Okay.
1: Um, OG funimation. Yep. And he brought so much joy to those sessions and Carl Willems, the director also just an absolute love. So, so it was a really fun experience recording with the people we recorded with and you know, the ADR that I do nowadays is definitely, um, I don't know if there's more of a machine around it or if we're just doing so much more remote work. I mean, obviously post-pandemic, right, but even before right. then. So, yeah.
0: That makes sense. And then just with it, too, because like you said, like there's a lot that goes into uh, the ADR process. And, you know, I've had a lot of actor friends that do ADR and dubbing that have musical or performance backgrounds, with your background too did it did you find that that helped it make it easier for you to match the mouth flaps and get the timing and intonation down or was that something that just got the reps in and it became like it became easier for you as time went on
1: Well, i think a bit of both i think that music um i hear everything is music so mm-hmm. it's really helpful because so much of music is about time and about emphasis Right. Right. So, and about melody. So y- your ear is trained to, like when we would hear the original Japanese actors. Oh, yeah. Um, although we, the voices that we designed were nothing like the original of voices. Of course.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, we still were listening to their inflection and their energy and really wanting to, you know, represent that well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the languages sort of wind up, you know, the cadence of them is completely different. Oh, yeah,
0: me. for and sure. The
1: lines take so much longer in one language than they do in another, right? Very true. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Fast I mean, that's, it's so fascinating, too, because you have to bring your own flair to that character, but then still honor what they do. And then, of course, the language gap, like you said, comes into play, too, because what makes sense for their language and dialect May not work for hours too. So it's like it's a lot that goes into a process, and you have to have that character down pat to know the decisions they would make too. But something you said a minute ago uh, that really caught my eye or caught my ear too was that you would do eight hour sessions. And in today's world, that's just almost unheard of. You know, there's like a three or a four hour minimum. With mm-hmm. your performance background, again, did that come into play with helping you find ways to preserve your voice throughout those sessions? Or was there another yeah. technique that you used?
1: Well, there's only so much you can do with voices like that. Yep. I mean, you can you can drink all the uh, tea, the throat coat tea mm-hmm. and... Stay hydrated and make sure your mouth right never gets dry during a session. You can do all those things. You can sleep hard. Yep. But I sometimes had to do long sessions between four and eight hours, and then go and sing till two in the morning. Woo! Like in a club or for a a big event, and that was challenging. Oh, I bet it was doubling up. It was double shifting. That was really hard.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um. Yeah, so there's only so much you can do. And some characters, like those two, Goku and Gohan, are sort of at the top of what I would consider exhausting characters.
0: Oh, I can imagine.
1: um, That I have in my pocket. But then I got to do Oxnard in uh, Hamtaro, and he's the easiest character I've ever done.
0: (laughs) And is that more because it's more in your vocal range with not a lot of of screaming and, you know, just the raspiness to it? Or was it more just like you found a way to, or you found a better place in the throat to bring that character from? What was that like?
1: Well, listen to this. This is him. Hi, I boxed nerd. Right? Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. How easy is that on you? That's pretty easy on you.
0: Yep, that is. I mean, there's no rasp. There's no throat gravel to it. And I can yep. see too. I mean, it's it's kind of like giving your voice the day off a little bit, but working the nasal resonators yep. a little bit.
1: Yep, yep. And so he, he did. Oxnard did yell at times. In fact, right after I had a C section.
0: Oh no! Like a
1: week after I had a C section, I was holding a pillow <laughs> on Frooper. my incision, and I was like, "Can we save all the yelling to the end?"
0: <laughs> yes, please. Oh man, I can't even imagine what that was like. it was funny. Oh, I (laughs) I bet. But the
1: best character ever to be yelling because, again, it wasn't about being tiny or pinched or any of that
0: stuff. Right, right. And then, like, just just something else you mentioned there, too, with double shifting. Obviously, Mm -hmm. like, you enjoy acting. You enjoy the voice acting, and you enjoy, like, singing and performing. But when you're Mm -hmm. doing that for so many hours a day and then you're performing until 2 a.m. at night even – and, you know, maybe not getting a full night's sleep or the sleep schedule's thrown off. How did you, like, maintain your love and passion for that without getting burned out?
1: Well, I did get burned out. But, you know, I got burned out, excuse me, um, temporarily.
0: Gotcha. So
1: I always grew that, you know, (laughs) that throat skin back.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Oh, of course, of course. And then, just speaking from experience, I have a it's getting better but I have an insane fear of you know FOMO fear of missing out where Mm -hmm. you know like you're you don't want to take a step away because the momentum might drop or you may miss an awesome opportunity Mm -hmm. but you know like when that burnout was setting in for you did you have to rationalize with yourself hey I need to take a step back for a minute and then I'll get back into it recharged and ready to go a lot better than ever or what was that like for you
1: that's interesting um I actually was called in for a meeting at a studio once where I sang jingles during the day. Mm-hmm. And they were really fun. Um, that was the age of the jingles. So, oh, yeah. You know, we'd be like, there's parking out back and all that. <laughs> Very funny. But um, the producer said to me, we love hiring you. We love having you around. You're a great singer. But we can tell you're really tired and we're not sure that the work you're doing at night is going to allow for us to be able to bring you in oh this work during the day and it was a really good thing for me to hear because you know I was just exhausted of course I decided to pull back more on the singing a few nights a week part because I really loved being in the womb at the studio
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely and
1: so it was an easy decision, really. It was it was an easy decision.
0: Right. And I, I get where you're coming from with that, too, because when you hear somebody else say it to you, it's easier to take that and accept it than it is, like, running through the scenarios in your mind because it's easier to second-guess yourself than it is somebody else to tell you. And I wish I knew why that was, but...
1: Well, it's... I mean, it's natural for us to go, am I lame?
0: It, it, of course. Does everybody
1: had this problem... Am I not built properly? Am I too weak for this career? Yeah, what is like, wrong with that's me? all natural.
0: I I get that, and the human mind is a mystery as to why we're our own worst critic. But you know, it it is what it is. But it's fascinating to hear that other perspective too, and to see like just how you were able to capitalize on that. Because, like I've said a few times already, you've got this extensive resume, and. You know, like when you start out as Goku and then Gohan and you start branching into these other roles and these other franchises, what is it like for you to start bringing that workload in and do all that throughout the day? And again, just bring these different characters to the table and still feel motivated the entire time you're doing it without like exhausting yourself?
1: Well,. I think I've felt the full range, you know, really. There have been times where I've questioned whether I'm in the right business because there's not enough work. Uh-huh. And then there have been times where I've been like, does everything have to happen at once?
0: Right, right. You know, like
1: that's, that again is just, that's part of this business. And Absolutely. when you think about it, um, those were fantastic times for me. Oh, right? for like sure. Really, really busy years. And when I had children, some of it shifted and people sort of gave me more space and I took more space away from, from the constant work. And when I, you know, we, uh, when my first son was just one and a half, we moved to LA for a few years for my husband to finish his degree after Mm -hmm. baseball, because he was a pro baseball player.
0: Very nice.
1: And that, you know, that that meant that people took over my roles you know some of those roles that I would have loved to have kept playing but I just couldn't keep flying back and that's
0: understandable
1: to do it so you know um yeah I I I think it just sort of life sometimes dictates how much you can have on your plate and that's absolutely the way it is that's it
0: just be in the moment and go with it because I mean the universe will give you signs as well so it's just yeah kind of up to ourselves to get out of our own way to pay attention to those signs
1: and we all want to say yes all of the time of
0: course of course and
1: so it's hard to say hey i'm going to be moving away for a while and knowing that you're giving things up you just want to keep on doing them all and um but that's okay
0: absolutely I mean, because there's always going to be another opportunity and there's always going to be something else that comes along. And yeah, you
1: just got to keep on
0: trucking. That's it. Because, I mean, if you hang your hat on one thing, what, you know, what's going to come when that one thing, you know, eventually runs its course, what do you do next? Like, are you just going to be hung up on that or are you going to keep yourself open to these other opportunities that you may not even see coming? There, It's all in the mindset.
1: That's the magic of this business. That's Anything it. Anything could happen. absolutely anything could
0: happen and and speaking of that too um because obviously like people have heard me say it on this podcast before submit it and forget it when you got into this was that something that was taught to you or was that something that you had to learn on your own where you just send this audition you can't you know you can't run your wheels into the mud on it because it will drive you insane how did how did you learn that mentality
1: it's so funny because I have been slowly preparing TikToks about so many of the things that you're oh. bringing up. Yeah. I, I'm get, putting them together because there are thoughts that come through my head as I look at my career now mm-hmm. and throughout the last decades. Um, yeah. I think my opinion about it, and I've done a bit of teaching lately around it, too. Ooh, is very nice. that you That you need to own it while you're recording that audition, whether it's at home or uh, an outside studio, absolutely own it. It is yours. And then immediately release it. Yep. Take the headphones off. It wasn't, it never was yours. It won't be yours until somebody decides that it is. And it has nothing to do with you sucking. It just doesn't.
0: That's it. That is it.
1: It's really like, My husband actually taught me a lot about this, um, even though I I had a good understanding Mm -hmm. as an actor and a dancer. You know, I would audition for shows like kicking as high as I could and doing the sports and you really lay it all out there. And it's just humiliating to have it go wrong. Right, right. uh, Heartbreaking to not get the part and not be on the tour. Um, I was lucky that I got to do a lot of that stuff. But yeah but what I, so lots of rejection my whole life long, (laughs) but, um, my husband was a pro baseball player and he taught me that hitting the ball three out of 10 times makes you an all-star. Yep. The odds in baseball are so ridiculous. It's so about learning how to lose or learning how to lose an at bat and learning how to hold your head high and no, that doesn't mean you suck
0: absolutely absolutely and that personally for me like from the the background that i came from before like doing the full commitment to voice acting that was a hard thing to learn because you pretty much get told the opposite where you know like if you don't have the best match on the card or you don't get the wwe tryout or whatever it may be and you don't get a contract then and there you suck you know i like guess it's mm-hmm. hard to get out of that mentality. But then when you're surrounded by so many people that are actually like your biggest cheerleaders and supporting you and just your friends in general, telling you like, this is the mentality you have and you know, you're going to, you're going to end up burning yourself out and it's going to be a big detriment to you when you finally start accepting that and just realize that everything you just said hit the nail right on the head. It, it lightens the load so much and you can start having fun again.
1: Yeah, you know, there's room for all of us.
0: Absolutely.
1: There is room for all of us. And we all have shining moments and not so. Very not true. And um and I really think that if you like, you know, a booking ratio of fifteen to twenty five percent is good.
0: Yes. Yes. That's
1: one out of every four auditions. Booking is really good. You will not be dropped from your agent's roster.
0: Oh yeah. And I mean again it's so, like you said too, especially like with the pandemic going on now, there are more people recording remotely. So yeah. you're you're up against way more than you probably realize too.
1: Yeah, you are. And you don't even know the thing about the thing about auditioning remotely is you have no idea if you're ever heard. Exactly. You have no idea if somebody opens the email yep. from your agent and reads the or listens to the first two and then just ditches it
0: absolutely we
1: have no idea and so you really have to practice detachment and neutral thinking just like you would if you were a pitcher or a batter
0: absolutely
1: or a wrestler yeah like you have to be able to do that
0: and I, i'm gonna sound like a broken record saying this too but I, you know i've come to find out that sometimes the people casting don't even know what they want until they hear it and mm-hmm. So I mean, like there's so many factors that are out of our hands that you can only control the controllables and own the audition you send out, but even if you don't book it, that doesn't mean you suck. It just wasn't what they were looking for to bring it to life, and there's nothing wrong with that,
1: yeah, it is so subjective
0: absolutely there
1: could not be in a more subjective situation. At least with baseball, you either hit it or you didn't.
0: Exactly.
1: And you know, you either had good technique or you didn't, and you either got lucky or you didn't, and you. We see it all play out. Yep. Whereas we, so much of this process is um, mysterious to us and nebulous mm-hmm. to us as actors, um, because we can't control it. And that's my son pitching. Control the controllables. That's it. That's what he says, and he's a boss and for a 15-year-old, he really keeps his head. And I try to embody that with my work because it is not as personal as it is to have someone decide, I just don't like the sound of that voice. Or, Absolutely. Oh, I love the way she said that product name. Get her. You know, like yep. all of that sounds like it's really personal and yet... Eh, kind of, sort of, maybe not. Yeah, yeah It's hard no, to say. Really. Yeah. It's really about what What literally resonates for that person who has to make this huge decision.
0: Absolutely.
1: About who they cast in that role.
0: Absolutely.
1: And uh, it can be, you know, a great audition performance can be vetoed by a producer in another country that just, just doesn't relate to what the casting people and you know, your amazing performance showed them. They just don't receive it.
0: That's it. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's all subjective more than anything else because what resonates to the agent may not resonate or resonate to the person they pass it on to or or vice yeah. versa. It's, there's so many factors at play that if you literally tried to think and process and dwell on all of it, you would burn yourself out and talk yourself out of loving something that brings you so much enjoyment when you do get those auditions. So,
1: yeah, just... yeah. So, be the ball yep. when you're auditioning and then let it go, let it float out into the ether. And if it's meant to be yours, it will come calling
0: 100%. And you, you're not
1: going to hear about all your failures because someone else doesn't have time to phone every actor.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They didn't Absolutely. get
1: the part. It's okay. You move on. Yeah. If you have moved on, it's not
0: going to hurt you exactly because I mean because the auditions will keep coming and that's the job more than anything else right there is actually getting the auditions and then when yeah. you book the part then the fun begins. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And not to kind of do a one eighty here, but you mentioned you know a few moments ago that when you moved out to L.A., you know uh, after your oldest son was born, you had to give up some roles and you know go ahead and get out there so your husband could finish getting his degree. Was that also around the time that the uh, that Funimation took over the Dragon Ball franchise and some of the voices were recast?
1: Well, see the funny thing is the original so we recorded 13 episodes. I'm sorry, I'm going way back oh, in you're like fine. the mid-90s and that was with BLT, which is a production company in Vancouver and right. LA. And then we went to Ocean
0: that's for right. For the famous
1: yep. Ocean dub. And I believe that Barry Watson was coming up for those first Dragon Balls and Dragon Ball Zs that we recorded there at Ocean as Funimation. Mm-hmm. So Funimation pulled the show down to Texas. Uh, and I had dinner with Barry Watson actually a month ago when I went to Kamehameha. Oh, wow. And that's awesome.
0: Kamehakan going to come up here shortly, too. So I'm looking yeah, forward so to it that. It so
1: good to see him. Um, and he did sort of confirm that it really it was financial. It was just he had to keep coming up here and basically living here to right. record us. And actors, it was so busy for Vancouver actors at that time. Oh, some yeah. of them had on camera work. Some of them had, you know, like there was crazy, crazy work happening for all of us and that made it difficult for him
0: of course <laughs> frankly.
1: and so he pulled it he he brought it home so that he could you know manage it there and then eventually um you know i know i know he didn't he doesn't still own funimation um but i think he had some really great years both in vancouver and texas
0: absolutely and then you know like when when the characters are recast um i know like speaking to Linda Young, who was the the Funimation voice of Frieza, and she had to do the voice match for the actor that was doing the Ocean dub. You know, she okay. she mentioned her experience when Frieza was recast around like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and you know, like it it was bumming because you know, like that was a character that she had had for you know like a decade at that point, and then she had to let it go for somebody else to take it over. And obviously, they became friends before uh, before Chris Ayers passed away. And now she's friends with Damon Mills as well. Were you able to, you know, build that relationship with uh, with Stephanie Nadolny when she took over the voices of Kid Goku and Kid Gohan? Did y'all have any kind of friendship after that?
1: Well, it's interesting because I feel like I can't remember what I was recording at Ocean when someone said, I think this was before I was on Facebook, mm-hmm. that, that Stephanie would like to you know, would like to chat or something, something along those lines. And really, I just I got on Facebook and friended her. But that was like 2010. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a long time ago. And yet I'm new to Facebook compared to a lot of people. Right. Right. Um, So we just basically have been able to observe each other's lives and. Yeah. And touch on things and and be sort of, you know, friends from afar. Um, And, you know, for me, there was no disappointment right. that I wasn't doing the role because I'd already given it up to Jillian Michaels before. Oh, that's
0: right. That's right. See, I completely right. forgot about that part of it. No,
1: there's so it's so weird. And then I feel like even after Julian, Jillian, excuse me, that I may have done some more Dragon Ball of some sort, or maybe it was before Jillian. It's all such a blur. Right. And um, so Stephanie is someone that I finally got to meet. Uh, at Kamehameha-Con. So that was really cool.
0: Very nice. And like, yeah. not only getting to meet your fellow actors, but like when you get to meet the fans in a situation like that, what is that experience like for you where, you know, you like I haven't got to attend a Kamehameha Con yet and it may or may not be in the works for me to do a live performance there. I don't know, but I'm putting it out there in the universe. But like when you get to meet these fans that have these experiences based off the characters that you brought to life with your voice, what is that like for you?
1: Well, in short, it's amazing. I I am blown away that that work that we did that long ago still holds meaning to people. Absolutely. That's not something I expected when I recorded it. I really enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the people I was working with, um, but I didn't have any expectations as far as reaching an audience. Right, right. I had no idea what would happen with it. And the respect that people have for the franchise and for the actors and all the creatives working on it is mind-blowing And when I was first asked to go to KameaCon, I sort of responded, I don't really, I don't do those. Because I had done a couple of cons um, Mm -hmm. here in Canada that weren't super well organized. Right, uh, right. Like 20 years ago. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me.
0: (laughs) Understandable, understandable.
1: I thought when I was asked, I was like, oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird thing. Um, to be there and and to be sort of you know like I did that work so long ago is anyone even gonna care or want to come and talk to me like I don't know, and then someone said well you can be all weirded out or you can realize that you know some of those people were kids when they saw the show and they had like their blankie in one hand and their fishy crackers in the other right right learned how to be small but powerful from. From your little character on that show. And I was like, oh, that just got me right in the heart. Yep. I and I went, even imagine. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. Okay, yeah. I Now I get it. This is why I would do this. This is why I would fully, 150% want to be there and meet people. Because the things that they told me about. You know, their lives and their experiences and what some of the shows that we've done have meant to them absolutely humbled me.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's and that's the cool thing, too, is that not only like because I've just recently started doing my own convention appearances, but like getting the chance to talk to, you know, somebody of your level or, you know, somebody and just tell them thank you for the memories you made in my childhood that I now get to pass on to my kids when I introduce them to Dragon Ball or you are one of the reasons I wanted to become a voice actor and just seeing how receptive you are to that. It's an amazing feeling that it's so cool to see that it goes both ways, if that makes sense.
1: It really does. There is an energetic exchange that happens when we get to share sort of a memory of what it was like for both of us to be a part of that show, whether we're an audience or whether we're an actor. And um it's really I just felt very honored.
0: Absolutely. And that's and that's such a cool thing too, because I mean, again, just like to think that you were gonna turn it down and then now, like you get that one you get that hit right in the feels and now like you just made this memory of a lifetime going and being there. That's so awesome to think about.
1: Yeah. I I learned something that's Of course,
0: for sure. of course. And oddly enough, um I was watching an interview from a previous con that uh you know, friend of the show Elise Bowman does on her anime adventure show and she had mentioned uh in a conversation with Cynthia kranz who is one of the Funimation voice actors that mm-hmm. some of these guys didn't even meet until like a dec- uh, you know, a decade after the fact of their you know, like having their names in the credits together on a on a Dragon Ball episode or whatever it may be and they didn't meet, you know, until like 10 years later at a convention and they hit it off right off the bat even though like they've not personally met till that point. Was it kind of the same way, you know, like working at the studio in Canada or was everybody kind of like there together and you had the relationships beforehand? What was that dynamic like?
1: Well, it was It was, um, we were absolutely on our own in the studio to record those for sure. But the funny part of it is every one of those people in that cast I was working with on different projects, like maybe a prelay cartoon where we're all sitting around in a room or we see each other at auditions, but we were all very much bonded, um, at the time because there was so much going on in this city. It was such a culture. And it was really growing. And um, so my voiceover buddies are, they're like old friends to me. Now, I am just thrilled that I got to meet people from the Texas cast. Of course. That's something that I couldn't do without a a convention. Oh, yeah. And um, so that that part of it was really cool. And I mean, I hardly got to visit with them because actually you're kind of busy when you're at a convention. I
0: didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh and, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, hopefully next time I'll get to meet with them more.
0: Absolutely. And then fingers crossed to, uh, we getting a chance to meet face to face as well. So that would definitely be yeah. awesome. Yeah. But this, uh, this next question, um, is just one that's kind of populated in my mind as this conversation has gone on, because obviously mom has the extensive legendary voice acting resume dad was a professional baseball player what is this like for your kids are they like in tune with what you're doing and think it's cool or is it just oh that's what mom and dad do for work how is this like for them especially like if they see you going to a convention and people are coming to see you what's that like for your kids as far as that dynamic goes
1: well, I'm flooded with thoughts when you ask that question. <laughs> um, so the funny part is my dad is a recording artist and has been for like 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in a band that had a number one hit in the States at one point. He was on like the Dick Clark show and wow, all these. Legendary. Yeah. Right. All these like solid gold. That was hilarious. Um in around 1980 when they had a really big hit. And it was a huge hit in Canada for years, or not years, weeks, on Billboard. And he's kind of known in Canada as just an OG rocker. Right. And he's in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, and he's gotten the, I can't remember what, the Order of Canada Award, which is a big recognition thing. Wow. And so he's more famous than my husband and I in some ways, (laughs) in a lot of ways and um so my son when he was about 7 years old he held a door open for somebody and he said did you know that my grandpa's a rock star and my mom's a singer and my dad's a famous baseball player <laughs> or no my dad's a big league baseball player <laughs> <laughs> and the person who just was like uh thanks and walked through the door and when he just like blurted all that out i was like wow that's wild he has a concept that and then the other kid when he got old enough said look grandpa's a rock star dad played in the mlb and you are a professional singer what did you do with all the money <laughs> <laughs> we should have a billion dollars right I was like actually no and your dad wasn't um on the Wasn't in the MLB long enough to collect a big leagues um, retirement, and (laughs) your grandpa's a rock star in Canada, and (laughs) it's just so funny. Oh Oh, man! But they they're pretty sweet. And when I went to do Con they were like, "Go get it!" And when I but when I got a TikTok account, they're just absolutely horrified. My son even like. The 19-year-old went through my um, follows and unfollowed me from a few people that he knows. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just this old lady. Oh, man. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah. They definitely, they know more than me.
0: It's so fascinating because it's, this whole generation now, like, kids have tablets, everything else, and, I'm yeah. lucky that I can barely operate an iPhone or even everything I've got set up going here. But it just, it blows my mind how everything is just like second nature to them. And then of course, you know, grandpa is a hall of fame, you know, singer in Canada. Dad was an MLB player. Mom was a, you know, a famous singer and an actress. But where's all the money? Like, I just, I love, it, it's funny, but it's scary how that that's where their mind goes to right away. Like, oh, oh, there's there's more factors at play, my child.
1: I know. And when my uh, youngest was 11, he gets voice, like both kids have been able to do voiceover auditions uh, here and there. Yeah. My agent just looks out for them. Um, And they get the odd gig and I make them share the money. If they get a gig, Um, they're both get sound too old now to do kid stuff. But I made them share the money and they're like, what? He gets half my money. I'm like, have you done a class? how are the the workshops going how's you honing your craft much and then they're like okay and they have to share the money um the 11 year old was i said do you really do you want to do this work do you want to be a voice actor and he goes well my mom does it so i should be pretty good at it so yeah i'd like the money and i was like well okay
0: okay call
1: me call me when you'd like to study (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the part we don't talk about. That's the part we don't talk about. Everything that goes in behind closed doors, right? Okay. Oh man, so like, ugh, that's so fascinating too. Because again, I think so many people think, and like, obviously the kids. It's the family business. It's the it's the legacy of it right there. But to the outside world, so many people, and I know people have probably come to you and said it, like, oh, I can do funny voices. Um, how do I get into this? Or I can do funny voices. How do I get an agent? Is there anything you would like to say to those people that don't really have like the full view of what voice acting really entails?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that loving doing voices is a great bottom line, Mm -hmm. and finding yourself funny another great bottom line. That sort of there's a little bit of confidence in that statement. I can do funny voices. How do I get an agent? I like that, Um, but you have to have a demo yes. in order to get an agent and you have to have um, a sense of what it takes to make a good demo before you can make a demo. Absolutely. And you have to probably have to have some sort of um, consultation or education before you're going to be able to know what would make a good demo. So we, we back up all the steps and there are actually are, a fair number of them. Oh, yeah. And nowadays, there's such great online resources as long as they're not leading you down the garden path and charging you a bunch of money for their yes. videos. Yes. Um, <clears throat> there are some free resources, um, and you can follow people on social media that give you nuggets. Like I will, I give out little random bits of advice and experience on my own TikTok account because um, I think. It helps people, you know, that really like someone sent me a DM and said, how do I apply for a voiceover job? How do I send in a a voiceover job application? Mm -hmm. And I went, right. So lots of people wouldn't know how this works. And God love them. Like we need to just put the little nuggets out there so that people understand what does go into this and that you will need to be an engineer in this day and age. Oh, yeah. You're not just going places and blowing people's mind with your voice. Right. You are learning how to work a studio setup and have good quality sound and deliver something that somebody will actually listen to.
0: Absolutely. And it's it, it's so cool too to hear like just how willing you are to, you know, to drop those breadcrumbs or those little knowledge nuggets to help people, you know, maybe this is their dream but they're just too shy or intimidated to ask and you know, like they're they're putting it all on the line by asking somebody like you how they do that. And it's so cool to see like that somebody like you or even, you know, like D. Bradley Baker with his website, I wanna be a actorcom are willing mm-hmm. to put these things out there so that if somebody is can, you know, like gung ho on following this dream and pursuing their passion on it, they're not being discouraged. They're getting actual information from credible sources that are still booking and can lead them down that right path. It's so cool to see.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, and I don't mean to like um, slam anyone for selling videos about voice yeah. acting because I think that was possibly a great, a great opportunity. I just, I like there are full-time programs and I, I've taught some mm-hmm. classes in a full-time program and um And that's a big investment for a person. Oh yeah. Uh, If they have the time and they have the means, I think it's great to do an actual course. Um, And if they could just afford a workshop or two, just sort of diving in and seeing how your acting chops and your understanding of voiceover measure up is great. And having like an actual coach, like you were talking about, um, is great as well um but they're investments so
0: 100 percent.
1: so the, all the free information that's out there take advantage of it whether you're following people on social media that are are sort of illuminating some of your questions or um or watching some stuff on youtube from someone who who's talking about it or listening to this podcast.
0: Absolutely. Cheap plug right there because there's a lot of people uh, that have been previous guests on the show and I won't name drop right now, but if you do, like I'd mentioned at the start of the show and subscribe and just go back into the archives, there's literally a who's who that um, actually some I have coached with and they have wealths of information that they can give you and guide you on your path. And again, like without making like, they'll work with your budget so to speak but again they won't just take your money and say you're ready to go they'll get you on the path that you need to be and make it work for you and that's the sign of a great coach
1: yeah i i agree i think it i think it really is i think being able to give honest feedback about where someone is in their process is Absolutely. really important and seeing it as a process is really important mm-hmm. and um and but yeah, I mean you've got you've got it all at your fingertips with your guests. That's awesome.
0: That's it. and thank you, thank you so much for saying that too. And again, guys, something that uh, Saffron just mentioned right there too about being willing to give uh, critiques and feedback. We also have to be willing to hear that feedback and want to hear it to know that it's going to help us get better, and not just you know somebody being mean or saying it to hurt our feelings. They want us to improve as an actor as well, and it's got to be something that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear to get to that next step. So it can't just be like singing your praises the entire time.
1: No, you have to find a good fit.
0: Absolutely. Just
1: like you would with any other kind of coach. You need a good fit. Someone that communicates in a way that is not hurtful to you, but allows you to be vulnerable.
0: 100%. Right. Absolutely.
1: And safe and safe. I mean, I tried coaching my own husband because he has this deep, resonant voice and he's done some uh, color broadcasting and stuff for oh, nice. baseball occasionally, just sort of locally or at UCLA or whatever. Um, he's got an amazing voice. And one of my producer friends brought him in to read for Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Oh,
0: smart he choice. Was
1: so excited because he loves steak.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: And it's like, they do the audition and I'm just, I'm dying. Like I'm sweating <clears throat> out in the lounge at the studio. Like, oh my God, how's it going? How's it going? And they come out and call and the producer says to me, well, your husband's got a Stradivarius and he doesn't know how to play it.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> and I said, I know. So I tried at home, but he doesn't hear the way his voice goes up at the end of every line. Right, he just right. He's not built to hear that. And I'm his wife, so he'll he had to audition to be a a teacher that was also a rhinoceros or an elephant, I think, in a cartoon. Okay, so he's mm-hmm. reading he's reading for the part and it's so ridiculous. We both we have three and a half minutes of laughing of us having a giggle fit and <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. And I'm like, this is probably never gonna happen for him. Should I let him down gently or just keep laughing through our auditions? I don't know.
0: Uh,
1: Right? right. What do you
0: do? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the struggle. The struggle is real on that one. (laughs) But I'll say better you in that position than me. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. Because I know you probably handled it a lot better than I would. That's for sure.
1: Well, have you how much have you tried it? It's tricky.
0: Uh, I have not tried to get my wife in the booth, so I have tried 0 times. So you've already got more experience than me there too.
1: Even your kids like with my kids I'm like, you know, I get them to do an audition downstairs with me and then I they're just like, "Oh, this is so hard." Ugh. And then they go upstairs and guess who edits it for like an hour to get all the right takes together because Uh-oh. they're not very developed yet.
0: Right, right.
1: They don't just blow through a take and blow your mind. Yep. Like there's discussion, there's direction, there's all this stuff happening. And I just, you know, I send it off and go, you're welcome. But they,
0: number they one don't mom know
1: how difficult they are to direct.
0: Right, right. It's <laughs> man, I I know this from experience in a different field, but you know, like being a soccer coach. It's mm-hmm. hard to coach your own kid compared to oh, every yeah. other kid on the team because your kid is the one that doesn't want to listen. So I, I don't know how that dynamic works, but that's parenting and life one oh one, I guess.
1: Oh yeah. And my kids have both been coached by my husband, especially the older one mm-hmm. who's now like he's my husband's the varsity coach at UBC and my, my eldest is our eldest is uh on the varsity team now. Oh nice. And they had a- he had to fight hard to get on that team. Right, right. Because all eyes were upon him.
0: Of course, of course.
1: <laughs> but uh he worked really hard and the dynamic is never going to go away.
0: That's it. I mean it's I don't know where the dynamic comes from or what the reason is, but you'd think they'd listen to their own parents more than, you know, somebody else, but that shows what I get for thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But you, you know what, though? I think you're going to look back on those games mm-hmm. and be so glad.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: <clears throat> so grateful for that time with them and getting to be on the team with them.
0: Yep, that's it. Because now it's just uh, watching from the bleachers as he plays baseball. But, man, either way, it's so fun and it's so rewarding. And I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that experience for anything.
1: Yeah. And oh. they will appreciate it.
0: Of course. Yeah, it's just... Got to get out of that stubborn, you know, six and seven year old mindset and keep growing up, keep developing. And then it kind of, you know, sets in because I know I've been there, done that. And you don't appreciate it until you're older and you can look back on it, you know, with rose colored glasses or 2020 vision, whatever you want to say.
1: Mm hmm. Man. You'll scroll through those photos and you'll get a tear, right? Yep.
0: That's That's it. (laughs) Thank you, Time Hop. Thank you, Time Hop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, but uh, speaking of getting a tier, I don't know. I feel like I may get one as we transition into our next segment here because we covered a lot of ground in what doesn't even feel like a lot of time. It feels like this has just flown by so quickly. But I've I've been asking you questions for the better part of the last hour now, so I'm going to flip the script a little bit, throw you the keys to the car, and let you drive. And I'm going to make myself vulnerable and let you throw some questions my way. So whenever you're ready, I'm at your mercy.
1: Okay. You know, it was, it was tough. I've got six, and I don't know who to cut. Oh,
0: but hey, wait, we got time. If you want to do all six, let's make it fun.
1: Yep. Yeah, you might enjoy this. All okay. right. So my first question for you, Flynn. What did you want to be when you grew up?
0: <sighs> Honestly, when I was younger... I wanted to just be uh, a cartoonist because I was always drawing even though I wasn't the best at it. And that didn't come to like middle school going into high school. But the first thing I always wanted to be was uh, was a cartoonist. And then I started hearing all these voices on cartoons and started seeing, you know, like Power Rangers and all this stuff. And just I wanted to be an actor and I didn't care if it was on screen or what it was but I didn't know how you did cartoon voices at the time I didn't know how any of that worked but it started off with cartoonist and moved into acting from there
1: how cool yeah sounds like you were always communicating
0: yes yes creating
1: and communicating yeah. Yeah, and then
0: band band definitely helped out with that for a little while too so it, it played a big part just I think performance or expressing expressing myself is probably the best way to say it. just a a medium to express myself.
1: Yes. Yes. We don't always need to be picky about how that happens. As long as it's happening, it's quite fulfilling, right?
0: Exactly. Because sometimes you may not even realize that that's the medium for you until you get in and you just, you have that first experience and that first feeling of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that. Absolutely. Sweet. Um, going to take it in a completely different direction. I'm just oh, trying to keep right. you just on your toes here. Yes. Okay. What snack do you absolutely crave,
0: oh man? The one I will never say no to is gummy bears. Gummy bears are gummy worms, so
1: yes, yes, um i guess I guess in your wrestling career, you have to kind of mind your snacks probably a little bit, like can you have those any old time or do you? Save them for times where you don't have to perform.
0: I should probably watch when I eat them, but, you know, if they're there, I have a hard time, like, keeping my hand away from grabbing some. But, oddly enough, too, like, they're great when you're actually exercising or working out because if you're getting an intense workout, your glycogen stores will get low. And if you just, like, grab a small handful of those and pop them in, it gives you a quick little energy boost to keep going, too. So, even, like, during a workout, it's it's easy to justify it doing that way.
1: Yeah, I have to keep candy around because I take insulin. So.
0: I gotcha. That makes sense.
1: So, I've been taking it since I was a kid, and I decided a long time ago that all those gels Ugh. and glucose tablets can—they can move on.
0: Yeah, I've heard okay. horror stories from some friends of mine that have had to do the same thing. So, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no thanks. So
1: I find fun things.
0: Exactly. Fun
1: things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were just at a live. Uh, You did a live appearance at a convention. You were broadcasting live, and you said it was your first time doing that. What were the high and low points of that experience?
0: Man, the highest point, I think, was um, just personally being able to... um, Man, there's like three high points I could actually give you. But uh, the the biggest one for me was um, being able to be a guest on a convention that also had guests that had given me advice in the past about like how like what to look out for as a voice actor how to like fully commit to being a voice actor and what to do to you know like get yourself out there get a demo made just a lot of the stuff we talked about today and getting to like just go and talk to them and thank them for that was absolutely you know incredible and just be like I'm actually a guest with you here now. And the last time we met was you giving me advice, and this is where it is three years later because you know like COVID threw a lot of things off. But that was probably the highest point, and yeah. the lowest point was um, cruel, cruel irony because right outside the media room and the podcasting stage was the reptile exhibit. I am terribly afraid of snakes and they had like eight foot pythons out there that people could come hold and take pictures with. And if it wasn't like just knowing they were that close to me, it was the smell that came with them. That was probably the worst point of all of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And everybody tried to get me to hold one. I just could not do it.
1: I'm on your side.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a fan.
1: Me neither. Um, okay. Now, back to the mundane. Yes. What is your guilty TV pleasure?
0: Whew. Okay. So, right now, um, as we're recording, Stranger Things just released the first half of season four. So, between travel and everything else, it's been trying to watch that with, uh, with my wife. But she has secretly converted me, or I guess not so secretly converted me, to watching Grey's Anatomy. And I used to be completely against that before we got married, but I guess Grey's Anatomy is definitely a guilty pleasure. So, she won.
1: Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, so you do feel a little guilty for enjoying it because you had us, you took a stand. Exactly, I took a stand that I wasn't going to watch
0: it, <laughs> and she won me over. So, what can I say?
1: <laughs> well, my husband has endured some housewives.
0: Shows. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So you know.
0: Yep, I'll walk in and that's on TV. So we know we know who the real boss is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. This one's a little more profound. So get okay. your profound shoes on.
0: Yep. Lacing them up here.
1: What has been, and I mean in life, mm-hmm. what has been your highest honor?
0: Oh, man. Um in all honesty, I think it's just I'm trying to think of the best way to say it, but just being dad to my two sons because the way people come up and talk to me about them and just go overboard complimenting me about their manners and just how much they want to help out with things, like whether it's at daycare, at church, or they want to do this, or they want to help serve, like especially my six-year-old who's about to be seven, like just people will just constantly say like you guys have done a great job raising them and more than anything that because I'm my own worst critic I always feel like I drop the ball or do whatever else but when other people will tell me that like it just it makes me feel like I've done something or I'm helping raise somebody that could eventually grow up to change the world in some way shape or form so it's that that's it for me it's just being dad to my two kids
1: so I've never met you but as i was writing that question i knew you were going to say that
0: oh man i just
1: knew it rang out in my head so i'm very satisfied with your answer
0: sweet sweet (laughs) i love it
1: (laughs) um and here's my final question all right see how you do with this Uh what was the weirdest podcast episode you've recorded so far
0: Oh, okay.
1: The weirdest. I want it weird.
0: Okay. Um, man. okay, so I guess we're we're past the point now because by the time this uh, this airs, we'll be well, they'll be well in the rear view mirror. but um, I actually recorded an episode with somebody that at the time was a friend and I began working as an somewhat of an agent for her uh, her talent company. To help, like, book with convention appearances, but I showed up to the interview, like, we had to reschedule it for a a random one-off Saturday. I was dealing with a stomach bug, and, you know, so I, I wasn't bringing my best energy to it, but I was trying, but I also felt like I was getting a lot of resentment, you know, like, and just, like, holding back on the answers to the questions, if that makes sense. We it, it it was very strange, but again, I was looking at it as, hey, I'm helping my friend get, you know, free press, free publicity, getting her stuff out there, and you know, helping helping grow the name of the brand a little bit. And like I said, I eventually ended up working with her for a short period of time, but it got to the point where it was, um, you know, too overwhelming for me to continue doing that. So I had to step away from it, and I, I thought all was cool. But eventually, I ended up getting a letter from her saying like, hey, you can no longer have communication with anyone on the talent roster. Um, You can no longer have relationships with any of these people, some of which I was friends or had had mentorship with prior to that. And it's like, if anything like this continues, you will be met with legal action. And I had to respond back to not only her and her lawyer, but it was like, I did not sign anything stating anything like that. I have no intention of poaching any talent from you because I have no stroke like that. But I had existing relationships with several people, um, and especially like one was a teacher prior to our relationship begin, like prior to me joining your team here. So I'm going to continue those, but I am not going to try and pluck anybody from your talent roster or do anything detrimental. It's not even going to get named, but. This is not what I signed up for and this shouldn't have even had to be said and I haven't heard anything since and that episode has now been deleted from the archives. So, it was a it was a weird experience that really caught me off guard and caught me by surprise, but that's definitely been my weirdest one so far.
1: I I actually I'm going to email you a name afterward. I think I know.
0: Uh-oh. Oh boy. Yeah, you might know. Um but yeah, and I mean like if we, if we want to make it lighthearted for a little bit, I can also say, too, like, weird settings and scenarios for some other interviews, too. Like, I interviewed Dan Severn, uh, UFC Hall of Famer and former world champion wrestler. We did our interview while he was driving cross-country to the Arnold Classic. So he's driving down the interstate and just letting <laughs> me interview him on his phone. Or, you know, Jonathan Joss, who was uh, John Redcorn on King of the Hill. We're doing our interview, and... I think um, somebody wrecked, like some kids were racing motorcycles down the street and you could see the, like, somebody wrecked one and you could see the ambulance light in the background and all his dogs are running behind him barking out the window while it's going on. So there's been some, yeah, there's been some crazy situations that have gone on, but I mean, it's all been, it's all been fun regardless.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're going to have the odd, podcast episode that you delete yeah that's okay
0: very true I mean it's just it's part of the game and I think that's one thing too that's been really helpful is not I don't want to say not being attached but being able to make the business decision like this won't pass the audio test or this just wasn't what either of us wanted it to be so it's best to not air it type of thing so it's definitely helped me in the in the grand scheme of this now because I mean about to go on two years as this is airing, you know, it's like, it's crazy to say, but something's worked out with it. Absolutely. I'm so
1: impressed.
0: Well, thank you. And those were some, again, like, I I swear, I sound like a broken record and I don't intend it to be, but I, I just love how, like, putting myself on the spot, so many different questions get brought to the mix. And like I said, I don't know them beforehand, but they're never the same And they're always so fun and engaging. Like, it's just an absolute blast to put myself under the microscope and just roll with the punches as they come.
1: Well, this is how we get to know who you are and how you got here. So that's, that's a cool thing to do. 100%.
0: And again, just thank you for not only sharing your time here today, but being willing to play along and ask the questions as well. It means a lot.
1: Oh, I've had a great time doing
0: it. Well, thank you, thank you. And that, like I said I have too because it it feels like it's flown by because it doesn't feel like it's been over an hour, and that's just like it's like catching up with an old friend. It's it's an amazing feeling.
1: Well, you are welcome to edit this old friend
0: together. <laughs> I actually to have a I have a guy for that because I know that I am not the most qualified on that front. But we will make it sound nice and pretty, and we will get it out there to the world so that our listeners will enjoy it as well. But, man, again, just thank you for being willing to come on here, tell your story, and just, you know, chew the fat with me. I really appreciate it. Well,
1: again, it's my absolute pleasure and honor, and I'm just glad to have met you.
0: Same here, same here, and hopefully here soon we'll be doing that in person. So uh, maybe Kamehameha 5 will be a thing, or who knows where it'll turn up, so... I'm just yeah. along for the ride.
1: We'll see you out there.
0: Absolutely. Well, guys, I hope you have enjoyed this interview here today. And like I said, I hope it found you in a great place. And I hope it leaves you in a better place now. Or if you were feeling a little down, I hope we brought some joy to your day. But if you haven't already and this didn't encourage you enough, guys, last chance. Go subscribe. Do it. Leave that five star in that written review. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Do it. Go get caught up in the archives and just do it. Get the word out there because I enjoy doing these podcasts. I enjoy chatting with my friends and letting you eavesdrop on it. And it's just a fun experience for me and I want to keep the ball rolling. So show that support. Get the merch if you feel so inclined to do so. Make your pick of which donation to the charity you'd like it to go to. And everybody wins. I'll give you the shout out. And I get to keep having these fun chats every week and I get to keep bringing them to you free of charge. So... For myself, for Saffron, we thank you for tuning into our conversation here today. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. So go out and do some good in the world. Be good to yourself and tune back in next week for another awesome episode. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.